The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. up welcome to episode number 378 of on the corner the official pitcherlist.com podcast i'm your host alex fast joined as always by mr projection himself nick pollock nick how you doing what is happening yes we uh we put out our projections today as we rolled out pl pro sorry uh super exciting it's not just the projections though um we also have an auction draft calculator coming your way as well as a live draft assistant tool which is a really, really cool thing. I think, honestly, I know we have these projections are great, you know, all that stuff. But the the live draft assistant tool is the thing I'm most excited about. I've used it in every single mock I've done since uh, Michael Rathall had version 0.5 or whatever. It's so good. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw Asher Drattel in person last week. And he, and he just, all he could say to me is just how it's everything he's ever wanted. Um, and I know it's great. It has a draft board built into it and it's just so easy to do your draft. So that's the thing I think like when people are going to see and go, wait, this is why, like I turned away from all these draft assistant tools before because they were super hard to use and everything. This is the easiest one mm. and it makes all the sense. So I'm, I'm just excited to get this stuff in your hands, see how you guys feel about it all. And, uh, yeah, really just have happy to have it out in the wild finally. It is fantastic. There is a there is a, a, a lot of stuff, both free and paid, for you to explore, which is kind of what I dig about our kind of new model too. Like, there's still a good amount, even you know, with the draft kit coming out. That if you're like, you know what, I can't really do this right now in terms of monetary oh, yeah. value. We've we got free stuff rankings, for you. All our articles, absolutely, hundred percent. But if you're like, you know what, PitcherList has been really crushing it for going on six, seven, eight years now, as we're at PL eight. Let me let me throw them a little bit of money. Um, just wait till you see what we've got for you. I mean. And these projection systems are fantastic. And that's kind of going to be the bulk of what we're talking about today in episode 378 here is these 2023 projections. So let me give you the rundown of what we're going to talk about. First, I'm going to throw it over to Nick and he's going to talk about what goes into these because there's a lot. There's a, it's, our, it's our first time kind of jumping into the projection game. After that, what can you expect? We're going to look at these together. These are fresh off the presses. I mean, obviously, oh, Nick yeah. has been going back and forth with people, but we're going to do a review Kind of IRL. We were gonna we were gonna do this live on a Twitch stream, but then it just didn't work out. But we are going to do this kind of live 
IRL going through these people being like, all right, these are the ones we agree with. These are the ones that we are a little bit more curious about. And there's probably going to be some changes to both Nick's and my top 100 based off these projections. So with that said, let's kick it off first with Nick. I'm looking at something called the 2023 PLV Plus ATC projections. Yeah, Give me the rundown on what this is and how this came to be. So I... So this is something that we've been working on for a long time, obviously with PLV, uh, get ready. I I have the podcast ready to go. It's coming out tomorrow. Yay. Uh, I, uh, that is the primer for PLV. Also on the site, you'll see that article tomorrow and uh, you'll learn a lot more about what that is, but it's pitch level value. It's really just a pitch quantifier uh, in the same light of Cameron Grove's pitching bot and Enosaurus's pitching plus. Um, and I, you know, one of the things that we were creating this was saying, right, we want to be able to to look at players differently. So that would go toe-in-toe with a projection system, not just for the season-long stuff, but also DFS, because we think, hey, understanding how good a pitch is allows us to do all these really fun things with analysis, and it stabilizes incredibly quickly. I think it's like 300 to 400 pitches, which is super, super interesting, um, especially for DFS purposes. So... Uh, with that, uh, we brought in Jesse Wolfersberger, who's worked with the Cincinnati Reds and Fangraphs, and he's awesome. And I've been super, it's been so much fun just working with him. It, it, I'm sure anybody listening inside their fields, when you have someone as also as passionate as you are and thinks the right way, it's just so invigorating and mm-hmm. wonderful. And Jesse's just like that. Um, obviously, Kyle Bland, very much involved as a person who really has, has finalized PLV and, and made our prediction model system. Anyway, uh, so using that, we did uh, simulations of the year in many different ways of different weights of from this year to that year or uh, how to utilize PLV and just say, all right, a pitcher throws as a percentage chance of throwing a pitch in this count um, and a hitter has a percentage chance based on what they've seen before to do something with it. And essentially, we run a simulator like that to put it in very, very simple terms. And we ran a lot of these. And then we worked with um, Arrow Cohen's ATC projections to then normalize them. Because when you mm. do something like that, you're going to get some ridiculous extremes. We had situations of Wade Miley being loved a little <laughs> too much. Um, and Corbin Burns, because, you know, he didn't do so so well with his pitches in August or so, being a little overweighted um, negatively. That is also the fact that Corbin Burns does not throw many pitches in the zone. And it's still very weird to us. But we also need to recognize that, yeah, he's likely going to have a 30% strike rate still. So there are a lot of these little things that we were like, okay, we know that we can't produce this as a proper projection system because it's just not normalized well. So then we said, you know what, what if we like add a little bit of a blend of ATC? And that's what we've done here. And we are so thrilled about these projections. Hmm. We think it's essentially, you know, everyone can use bad X and ATC and, and RAS balls and steamers and all that kind of stuff. And the, you know, the general sense of, hey, all these projection systems are generally going to be around the same field on stuff. What's really, really cool about ours is we have that little extra flair of PLV being infused with the things that you know, and it creates, sure, there's a lot of similarities, uh, but there are some really interesting things like, well, I'm not going to say right now. We're going to talk about that later in the podcast, who those mm-hmm. guys are. Mm-hmm. But that's, it's just a different sprinkle than the other things that you know. Uh, and I'm just really excited to get these in your hands and be like, oh, wait, huh? I didn't realize that they might be very much down on this one. And it's based on what they throw. And that's what's really important about this. Yeah. Uh, you're going to talk about, oh, this guy's a home run prone pitcher or whatever. And 
sure, but we are going to change that a little based on, well, this pitch shouldn't normally do that. As you certainly have mentioned, that home run rate is the least sticky year to year, right? So mm-hmm. we're really excited about this. Uh, and it's just a different form of the projections that you are already familiar with. Well, let's do this. We're going to jump in and we're going to go. I'm going to sort by category. We're going to start with like top five or 10 in ERA, top five or 10 in WHIP, and top five or 10 in K rate. And then I want you to let me know right off the bat who is like a surprise and who you're like, yeah, that that seems that seems pretty right. So the top 10, according to these projection systems in ERA, uh, is Jacob deGrom, Garrett Cole, Shohei Otani at number three, Max yeah. Scherzer, Justin Verlander, Shane McClanahan, Spencer Strider, Carlos Rodon, Tyler Glasnow, I believe that's nine, and yep. yeah, and Brandon Woodruff at number 10. Any so, surprises there for you? Well, so really not, I mean, these are the aces. I'm really happy to see this verified a lot that, yeah, right. These are all the good pitchers that they should be. You know, it, mm-hmm. it's one of the concerns you have making projection systems like this, especially with one that are not necessarily just their stats. I uh, to say, hey, if you're using this for your drafts, can you still use it? Like, are you, is some random guy going to just all of a sudden be in the top 10 and you go, oh no, he shouldn't be there. And now I need to say like, just don't draft that guy at a $25 value or something, you know? Yeah. And it's really nice to see, okay, yeah, these are the ERA guys that should be here. The more interesting ones are after that, actually. If you go, if you extend that, um, I pass Brandon Woodruff, you have Max Fried at the 320, Corin mm-hmm. Burns at 321. And by the way, you might be thinking, wait a second, is this a little more aggressive on the ERAs? Because we have Garrett Cole at 295. We love Garrett Cole. We, it should be a shock to nobody that his PLV is really high. If you know, like stuff plus and everything has been saying like Garrett Cole has like the best stuff plus. Um, yeah, we think Garrett Cole is still absurdly good. And there's a part of me that says like, maybe I should be putting him over Corbin Burns. Um, I just did. As my SP1. You just did based on I'm, these. I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm like literally that. looking at my top 100 right now and I'm, <laughs> I'm uh, uh, cutting, copying and pasting. Yeah, we have, um, I think Garrett Cole is our highest win probability too. Mm-hmm. Um, at 15 wins. I uh, 31% K rate is one of, I think five or so that have a 30% plus strikeout rate. And there's one that I'm just like, Oh man, we, it, he was the biggest outlier for us. Um, he was, I think 17 to seven, yeah, 17th year in ERA. So let me just go through and I'll go, uh, I'll, you guys will understand this. Corn Burns was at 12. Dustin May is at 322. Mm-hmm. I was, I was a little shocked at that one. Because I've talked a lot about the fastball maybe not being as good as we think it is. Um, but it's 119 innings. So keep yeah, in mind. The caveat, this is yeah. yeah. But the walk rate only at 7%. I was like, oh, man, maybe I'm just uh, overvaluing the uh, the return from it. Um, so that, that is one of the calibrations. Okay, Luis Castillo. Sure. 193 innings, too. One of the highest projections we have there. Drew Rasmussen. As you guys have probably heard, I, you know, us talk about PLV loves it. Rob Silver has even mentioned it on the Launch Angle podcast, which you guys should obviously be listening to. Um, and Rasmussen's a 325 E-rate, 111 whip, 24% K-rate. I'm glad that we were able to adjust because there's a time that we had like Rasmussen's like a 32% <laughs> based on his PLV. Like, no, that needs to that needs to fall down a bit. But sure. I think it's still an aggressive one for Rasmussen at 164 innings as well. So it's definitely something I'm taking into account. Uh, Zach Wheeler's 328, makes sense. Um, then there there's he is. Green. There he is. 17th. Hunter Green. I'm not even kidding. There was one iteration early on uh, that I think had Hunter Green as like a sub two ERA. 
and I said, okay, well, this is nice, but we can't, <laughs> we can't put that out. And yeah, you know, just like, oh, I know, I know. I'm just, this is just like early stuff. We're, we're fine tuning it all. But 328 ERA, 109 with 31% carry, 7.4% walk rate. Now, 22 home runs is the projection um, there, but oh boy, that mm. is, mm, I can't run away from this. You know, that's a better ERA projection than Christian Javier, who has 346. Uh, Spencer Strider, sure, 314. But the more and more I look at this, it's just, yeah, Hunter Green, Strider, Javier are so dang similar. Um, the only negative with Green is, I mean, less time of dominance, fewer wins in the home run question mark uh, that might boost up the ear, the the ERA a little bit more than that. But uh, I feel like I need to get him everywhere. Mm. So there's, uh, I mean, a lot of great <laughs> stuff to talk about here. I want to go up and, you know, based off of just these ERA projections alone, is there mm-hmm. anyone you feel, well, let me, let me make it more specific. Spencer Strider is a guy that's a little bit lower on your list comparatively. My, I actually have him around there as well. Um, but he seems like he's showing up relatively higher in other people's lists. Seems like he's showing up relatively higher in a lot of these projection systems. Like we just said, it's, a, it's like the eighth best ERA in baseball. It's got to be a top five K rate overall. As I sort by K rate real quick, yeah, it's the second best projection strikeout rate in all of baseball. Uh, yeah, it's 156 innings that he's projected for too, but this puts him, um, you know, 32, a 32% K rate with 156 Ks is significant, right? And we're still projecting him for 29 games started as well with right. over 200 strikeouts. So does this, uh, I, I don't know, this is something that I'm reconciling with because I still just can't, I just don't know if I can buy it, if I could buy him being like a top five. Well, the, pitcher the, that's the thing player. is, okay. So, uh, so yeah, see so 156 innings, 204 strikeouts. As far as strikeout projections go with us, I just sorted by that. Uh, it's Garrett Cole, Dylan Cease, Corbin Burns, Aaron Nola, Robbie Ray, Spencer Strider, Hunter Green, uh, Carlos Rodon, Javier and Otani are the only ones we projected 200 strikeouts. Castillo and Woodruff and Bieber are right underneath it. Uh, well, that all makes sense. I mean, that, that yeah, that seems about right. The 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 reason I'm not putting Javier, sorry, not Javier, I Strider inside my top ten is just because I feel like there are more ways for it to go wrong, mm. and it's a lot safer to go after somebody else. That's it. That's really it. Uh, I don't. I have that feeling like I did last year with Carlos Rodon where I felt like I was too low on him after his successful season, right? And then I moved it up like the day, the week of opening day. I was like, all right, fine. Calls for Don's like 18 now, <laughs> you know? And I might be doing that with Spencer Strider saying, okay, I have him at 14 or 15 at the moment. And fine, he leapfrogs DeGrom and Scherzer or something like that, right? And he goes at, becomes eight, something along those lines. I, I, I have nothing really against it. There are so many good pitchers is the thing. And like Aaron Nola is still projected at 212 here. Aaron Nola is incredibly safe. And how can I really say that I want Spencer Strider and take that risk over Aaron Nola, who I think is just going to be great, you know? Uh, Same with Brandon Woodruff. And I think Carlos Rodon is just a better version or at least more more well-known version of Spencer Strider. Spencer Strider could have a better season than Carlos Rodon. But yeah, I think you understand my point there. Mm-hmm. Um, at least a higher win potential, I would think. 
uh, we have it at 13 wins versus 12. Aha! <laughs> More wins. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> Um, but, but yeah, that that's the thought process there. I, I really don't have a problem with it. I find myself wanting to push down Max Scherzer underneath because um, I think there is as much risk as you want to say about Strider, there is also about Scherzer. Uh, and that might be the thing that I do. But then again, Otani, right? Like Otani is so good with the slider. Like, can you really say that Otani's not as, I don't know. It, it's just, they're all so close. So I don't blame it. Yeah. I mean, I so much. I don't, yeah. I, I, I want to, point this back real quick. We will get to Otani because he's someone I want to talk about a little bit more in depth momentarily. Um, two quick things before we start to look at the whips and sort by whip um, and see you know what, what pops out that's kind of interesting there. Um, I do. One of the reasons that I like this projection system is because, as you said, there are people who are projected to have sub three ERAs. Like every projection system comes with its own caveats, right? But I think that projection systems more often than not are usually conservative, which makes sense. But it's always frustrating when I know when I'm doing my own analysis to be like, okay, these are the guys who have not had ERAs over three in like yeah. 20 years or whatever, right? And then I go look <laughs> at their projection and it's like a 319 like a ERA. Yeah, right. yeah, exactly. So I, I do love that it's a, like, to me, it's it's a projection. It's not going to be 100% correct. It's okay to get a little bit bold with it. So I do enjoy that. Um, but we should look at whip um and they're you know staying here there are two guys projected with sub one whips which i love because these guys finish with sub one whips all the time and surprise surprise it's jacob Degrom and garrett cole those are the only two with sub one whips let me read all of the guys who have 110 whips or lower it's about 15 20 guys so in order it's Degrom and cole then scherzer verlander there's Otani again, Carlos yeah. Rodon, Brandon Woodruff, Julio Arias, Corbin Burns, Kevin Gausman, Gausman, excuse me, Tyler Glasnow, Shane McClanahan, Spencer Strider, Nola, Darvish. Again, there's May and, there's Hunter, May Green. and Hunter Green. I and know. Kershaw and Wheeler kinda, wraps out. This is the this is the thing though about Dustin May. Like I want to push him up further. One thing I I and keep in mind we do include park factors into this. Uh, Ooh, lovely. Yeah, work. we do that. We do that like inside of PLV. Jesse did it inside of his. Like, yeah, we we understand that. Um, we I uh, we also aren't necessarily taking to account the changes that are going to happen uh, with the team. Not necessarily just the shift stuff, but the Dodgers defense was so good, and I don't know if we were acknowledging it enough inside of this. Uh, that I, then again, I say that. And I know that we hate Tony Gonsolin. Yeah. So, that's, so that, Tony that's Gonsolin the had thing. the best hit luck. And we do actually incorporate hit luck into this. So you know what? Maybe actually I, I take that all back. I, I am worried that the hit luck is going to go in the opposite direction, though, for the Dodgers. Where this past year, instead of normalizing to zero, as it as hit luck does, if you're very confused about that, I understand. Listen to tomorrow's podcast. Check out the article on the site. But hit luck is amazing and you should like it. Um but it might go on the other direction. So I'm a little hesitant on May, especially as a ground ball guy that he is. I think it might be not beneficial for his whip and his ERA next year. That's like my biggest pushback on Dustin May that I don't think that we are incorporating enough. But it is, oh man, it's saying 27% K rate, 119 innings. If you think that Dustin May is going to get on more than 119, which is understandable because he has the Tommy John honeymoon now. Uh, I might be just aggressive on Dustin May. Yeah. Um, who was I just thinking about that we are taking into account 
Oh yeah, never mind. Okay, that, that's something that we'll talk about later. But that, that's a fun tease. Um, there's <laughs> there's some people that uh, I like. I said I want to break down guys that were a little bit higher on, guys that were a little bit lower on, and guys where we think the projection is just right. Uh, and there is one guy that is a super hot button dude that the projections are far lower on that we might need to bring down, and there are other reasons we might need to bring him down as well. And we're going to talk about him right after this break. All right, so we're thinking a lot about this guy. I'm scared to bring it up. He's mm-hmm. uh, he's uh you know who I'm talking about probably. You know who I'm talking about? No. He's a he's a he's a top 3 pitcher for you. And he might need to he might need to come down. Um, uh you're talking about Sandy Alcantara, you must be. I have to be, right? So the yeah. projections obviously only pitcher projected to have over 200 innings, which I love. With a 3.34 ERA, a 111 whip, and a 23% K rate. So that's fewer than 200 Ks then. That uh, is that the one one last thing and I want to obviously get your thoughts and see if whether or not you're going to move him down because he's the first one that I'm like, I don't know, his projection might be right for me and here's why. There's a really good article written by Zach Reimer um, over at Bleacher Report about the MLB players most likely to be impacted by the ship ban rule change. And I haven't seen a lot of articles written by this which is kind of surprising to me. And the first person that he cites is is Sandy Alcantara. Yeah. Um, he had a lot, a lot of balls hit to shifted second baseman and shortstops. A lot. And there is a chance that that, you know, again, this regression is contextual. Doesn't mean he's going to be a mid three ERA pitcher, but Absolutely. that is that's a little alarming. So now we have the shift thing taken into account. We have this projection system taken into account. Is there anything here then that makes you think he might need to go out of the top five? So I just about so keep in mind, these projections are rooted in PLV. So if there's something that is like, whoa, shocking or whatever, it's because PLV loves or hates them. Right. So I go back to that with uh, Sandy Alcantara and the thing that it hates the most about Alcantara is the hit luck on the changeup, which was 21 fewer hits than it thinks it should have, which was 100th percentile for all changeups. He does throw it a third of the time, essentially, but still, that is the highest amount. The hitting performance set of performance was minus 26. So essentially, that's a, just a good indication. Like, right, the average is zero. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it's a big far cry away from uh, the normalization, right? And I wonder if it's because he throws such an extreme changeup. Uh, he's kind of one of those that breaks the models um, in this way because he's not supposed to throw uh, a changeup at 92 miles per hour uh, with as much movement it does. And the success on it was so apparent. 90% hard contact, uh, batting average out of 150, 173 WOBA on it. I uh, 20% swing strike rate. I mean, we know this changeup was just everything for Alcantara last year. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not too concerned, honestly. Uh, I see Alcantara as one of those guys that is just, you watch him pitch and you see his stuff. You see how hard he throws, what he does. He goes deep into games and it's just, this is who he is a lot. Uh, I, I, I I think it's a case where, like, right, we don't really have anyone else to compare him to. He's not as normal as everyone else. As far as regression goes, sure. 228 year, right? Likely not going to be there. Um, it, it's a 0.98 whip, 
but it was a seven hit per nine. And that's kind of the thing. I'm like, well, actually, I don't really know if uh, that's really that ridiculous, especially with who he is and what he does. And Alcantara also, I don't want to rule out the fact that his strikeout rate could go up. Hmm. Um, he's someone that I see things in his approach. I'm like, oh, you could have a little bit better command with this. Um, there are days where it falls apart a bit too. So Sandy Alcantara is absolutely somebody who you see the numbers and you say, oh, well, he got lucky or uh, this shouldn't really go in that direction. I see Alcantara is just like, no, this is, his stuff is so good that he's going to continue to have these results. Um, and I think that's something that we're working on uh, with PLV. And I think you don't really need to worry about it. So I, the reason I have him at three is he's the workhorse. I think his stuff is just that good. That keeps him in such a high tier and he's just safer uh, mm. than a lot of other guys. Yeah, I mean, to your to your point, I was looking up of the 63 balls that he had that were hit towards shifted second baseman and shortstops, how many were off the changeup and how many were off any other pitch type. And the, the changeup had uh, the most um, more. There were more changeups hit towards uh, shifted players than any mm. pitch type for him, which makes sense. It that's backs up point. what you yeah, kind of said. That's, with, but that's also a good point about the shift stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So that that to me says that I might put him a, a little bit lower. Not mm-hmm. I'm not dropping him five, yeah, ten yeah, spots because no. I think it's a it's a you know, it's all and, contextual. But it, it's interesting. I, it, it's you just don't know what's going to happen with this new rules thing. You just don't know. And you don't know right. how much you should be waiting it. And it's super, super tricky. Um, with that said, though, let's get into some of these projections that we feel um Let's stick with the Sandy Alcantara theme. You think that Sandy Alcantara is going to be a little bit better than his projections. There are some guys that pop out here where their projections seem like a little bit high. Do you think, I'll throw one out first, and then you can let me know if you see other people who you feel are going to beat their projections. We could start with Nestor Cortez Jr., 154 innings, which actually kind of seems about right, although I think the hamstring injury might have just been a little smoke and mirrors to not, he was supposed to go to the WBC, right? Yeah. Yeah, I wonder if he was. I wonder if teams are like, mm, you're not doing that. Like Kershaw, if they were like, Kershaw, <laughs> oh, you're, you're, you're not like going. a phantom IL kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, like it happened with Kershaw, right? Where they were like, he didn't want, like, he even offered to pay the insurance premiums, and the Dodgers yeah, were like, right, okay, right. yeah, <laughs> sure thing, buddy. <laughs> okay, like the Jennifer Lawrence gift. <laughs> yep. uh, Mr. Cortez. A 154 innings, but a 361 ERA with a 112 whip. Too high, too low, just right. Um, I think it's too low. Um, I think he's a little bit better than that. I believe in his four seamer and and cutter. I would imagine. Um, I haven't compared these quite yet to other projection systems. I would think that we are higher on Cortez than others. A one twelve yeah, whip yeah. seems pretty favorable. I would say for Nestor Cortez. Uh, and so believing I'm- in the strikeout rate as well. I have the bat up. I'm not going to compare it to ATC because then it's kind of comparing yeah, sure. apples to like a different colored apple. Um, <laughs> it's not oranges, but it's like a red apple versus, you know, a green. Yeah, um, right. Nestor Cortez, indeed, uh, as a 378, according to the bat with 163 and the whip is innings. A whip? The whip? Is that what you said? Yes. Um, I had to pull up the advanced tab. Oh, my it's gosh. It's so funny to me that it's advanced right. whip. Um, his whip is a 113. Oh, 113. Oh, okay, so it's actually not that different. I mean, we are a little bit better on the the ERA side then. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm going to think of Nesta Cortez as a little bit better than that. But I'm in, you know, uh, it's, it doesn't seem too ridiculous here. Okay, let's. I actually kind of like this theme. I was going to go like, let's do all the tops, then all the rights, then all the lows. And we're going to do just, the Goldilocks game. Go. Yeah, we're, yeah, we're going to do the Goldilocks game. Too high, too <laughs> low, just right. Um, the the Witsky game. <laughs> what? The Witsky game. The Sorry, Witsky. the too low. Oh, 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 okay, got you. Uh, Luis Castillo, 193 innings, 323 ERA, 112 whip, 25% K rate, about 200 Ks overall. Too high, too low, just right. Nailed it! Yeah, nailed it. I think it nails it. Yeah. I think it nails it. I really think that with the full year of Luis Castillo inside of Seattle, we could theoretically see a career year for him. I will say this, though, which always cracks me up. Do you remember the one thing that we always, always, always talked about when it came to Luis Castillo? It was always a high whip. It was always a high whip, of course. But there was something else, too, that always just stuck in my mind where everyone was like, oh, Luis Castillo. Oh, April. April uh, weather. Yeah. Yeah. He cannot pitch in cold weather, right? Which always kind of cracked me up. And I the numbers bear it out right like the man has a 458 era <laughs> in first, march and it April. was the first thing i tested with a fan graphs weather tool to say <laughs> really? like in in when like the variable is when the weather is under x degrees or something so they launched it i was like okay i just need to see and i did luis castillo i think under 50 degrees or something like that and or I just did everyone under 50 degrees and the number one ERA was Luis Castillo, like a six ERA or something. It was pretty funny. I mean, it's not gonna, it's certainly not going to do him any favors in Seattle. Not really known as a warm weather uh, state, although I am kind of curious to see. Uh, oh, actually, this is good. He starts. Oh, no, these are all home games. That's brutal. Yeah, he starts a lot of games at home and then he stays up north. Goes to uh, Cleveland. Then he goes to the Cubs. Oh, no. I was hoping we could get some warm weather starts for Luis Castillo to start the year. But I think overall, this projection is exactly right. I do really enjoy the fact that he's turned into a fly ball pitcher who is going to uh, be in a park that allows for him to be in a fly ball park. So I'm going with you that this is indeed a person who is just right. Let's also talk about another person who... This this was kind of a shocker to me. Someone who uh, was uh, uh, the metrics were uh, the projections, excuse me, were a little bit higher on than I would anticipated. But maybe they're right, and that's Nathan Eovaldi. One hundred and fifty four innings with a three five ERA, a one twelve WHIP, and a twenty four percent K rate. What do you think for Nathan Eovaldi? Too high, too low, just right? Um, I think it's too low. No, wait, too high. I apologize. I mean, Nathan Evaldi is just weird because it's, uh, you know, we know the velocity thing is everything, right? So I I can't really sit on any projection on Evaldi because it's just about where his fastball is. Hmm. And I imagine this projection is more like, yeah, his fastball is fine. Don't worry about it, you know? Um, But I, yeah, I mean, with our weights, we used PLV marks from 2021 through 2022. I uh, we did do some waiting with more focus on 2022, of course, but considering Evaldi's velocity issues really like the last like two months or so of last year, it's not waiting in that in enough likely. Uh, so it's just weird with Evaldi. We can't really say that this is the correct one or not. Mm. 
Okay. Let's go to a person that I kind of wanted to return to uh, that we hinted at earlier on in the podcast, and that's Shohei Otani. Uh, 168 innings with a 298 array, a 105 whip, and a 30% K rate. For me, personally, originally I was going to say that this was maybe a little bit too uh, too high, right? Two point, too high, it's counterintuitive. Too high, meaning that he would probably not perform that well, and it would be a little bit higher ERA, maybe a little bit higher whip. I don't know. I mean, one of the things about Otani is you kind of mentioned that always sticks with me is that his four seam is not good, right? It's like not a very good four seamer. He's not able to elevate with that pitch pretty consistently. He leaves it out over the heart of the plate, but there's two things that do make it good. The velocity, which is fantastic. Um, and the fact that he doesn't really need it to be all that good. He can use right. it as a pitch that's going to set up the other breaking pitches. And those other breaking pitches are very good. The splitter is very good. The slider is very, very good. And here's the thing, too. This is his, what, third, fourth year pitching. Uh, hopefully, if he can stay healthy. I wonder if there's a possibility. Remember last year where there's that famous Pitching Ninja uh, gif where he sees uh, a really nice sinker? and he steps out of the box and like pitching ninja zooms in on his face and Otani kind of goes like, hmm, that's interesting. Yeah, and then right. in his next start, he throws a sinker, yeah, which is like yeah. unbelievable. He's like, now I will throw a sinker. And then he throws a sinker. There is theoretically a possibility that he could come in with that sinker and have a different weapon to use instead of yeah. his four-seamer. If all it relies on is velocity and that four seamer again not, is not that I'm not good. Necess- I'm not necessarily disagreeing with you. My philosophy when it comes to sinkers are you throw it inside to right handed batters and that's it. I uh, or sorry, same handedness I should say. So if Otani does that, it should be like a ten to fifteen percent usage. And that could be a good nullifier. The problem is that here he has a good nullifier against right handers. That's a slider. Mm. So it's more about finding the right tool against lefties. And the sinker, I don't think, helps with that enough. Uh, the slide, I mean, essentially, he's, Otani just decided, you know, I'm just going to throw sliders all the time. Uh, and <laughs> that's why he had a lot of the success he had last year. The four-seamer is still the issue in my head. Uh, and how you take down lefties or opposite-handedness um, guys is traditionally you got to get the four-seamer up and inside. Um, I don't know if Otani has that skill yet. So I'm not really... In on the the sinker stuff, but yeah, two nine eight ERA, one oh five whip, thirty percent carry. Sure, seems right to me. I'm trying to see Cold what his baby. his four seam woba was against righties to see if he. Yeah, he had a four oh nine woba on his four seamer against yeah. righties last year. Uh, That's yeah. why I don't think a sinker would be problematic because if he decides to go sinker slider, like literally, if he got rid of that four seamer. And use that. Anything would be better than that four seamer right now. A four hundred nine woba is not good. So if he does decide to go with that sinker, I don't know, man. That could be a viable. Like you said, you're right. There's no. I don't see any real need to use that sinker against lefties. There are other weapons that he has. Although it is worth saying that the fastball, uh, the four seam woba to lefties was about four hundred again. Um, so this isn't to say that like, hey. I'm I'm off the the train of like well Otani's four seamer is really bad so therefore all these numbers are going to go by the wayside. He's clearly done this back to back years with a not great four seamer. Right. What I'm saying though is it's it's scary to know that there is theoretically a world in which he debuts or not debuts but goes to a sinker more to right handed hitters and does even better. So with that said, that's my opinion on why I actually am in a 
uh, agreement with this Otani projection. What about you? Too high, well, too low, just right. 120, 168 innings is the only thing I go, ah. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much what he hit last year, which felt like it was a peak. So yeah. that's the only pushback I have really on it. But as far as the the rates go, those seem right to me. Okay. Um, there's another person on this list who kind of has popped up, uh, especially when it comes to the K-rate stuff. I believe he is top 15 in terms of overall K-rate, according to our projections. Yeah, he's number 14. He's ahead of Corbin Burns. He's ahead of Verlander. He's ahead of you know, uh, Aaron Nola and Shane McClanahan and Kevin Gosman. And it's another Cincinnati Red who we haven't dedicated as much time to. That's Nick Lodolo, 155 innings pitched, a 3.45 ERA with a 115 whip and a 28% K rate. Obviously, we've been focusing a lot on Hunter Green, but Nick Lodolo is there. Um, too high, too low, or just right on the Nick Lodolo projection. It's so strange. I go back and forth on Nick Lodolo. We've had some fun conversations about it behind the scenes. Mm. Um, and I, I find myself failing to believe that Lodolo will get the command that he needs to get. I'm worried about the sinker being too lateral um, in command wise, uh, where it's going playing east west and he's not necessarily locating it up and in as he wants to. Uh, while the changeup wasn't where we wanted it to be last year and it might not come back this year. The breaking ball is still really good. He's also in Cincy, fewer wins. So I see a 345, 115 whip. I think that's aggressively good for the ERA, honestly. Uh, I think it's a little too good there. The strikeout rate, honestly, yeah, 20% seems kind of right from Nicolo Dolo. His breaking ball is that good of a pitch. I, I see him as like a Heaney esque player um yeah I, I think the 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 era is too beneficial but 155 innings honestly i think ludolo could go 170 uh mm. this season but yeah it's just a little off a little too favorable i'd say okay um the next person i want to talk to is one that we actually haven't talked about um in quite some time uh and that's zach gallon so looking at the bats projection, it's 176 innings with a 3.68 ERA, uh, and for us, ours is a little more, uh, I guess, aggressive. What you would say, 175 innings with a 3.44 ERA, a 1.12 WHIP, and a K rate that is right around 26%. So last year, however, obviously Gallon goes on that absolutely historic run where he doesn't give up an earned run for 17 years, but he ends the year with a 2.54 ERA, a 3.05 FIP. A, a sub one whip uh, and a 27% K rate. So overall, this projection calls for regression across the board. Don't think anyone will make an argument that there's going to be a regression with the ERA as it's tough to maintain a 254. But are you thinking this is too high, too low, or just right? That's a good question. And I'll let you know after this break. I mean, come on fast. I'm a gallon gal. You know this. We know this. And end of podcast. End of podcast. <laughs> Three, four, four, one, twelve seems honestly right to me. Twenty six percent. I think uh, I, I've been talking about this a lot. There's a good amount about what he does that isn't necessarily elite, but it's just all very good. And generally, when we see a lot of very good. It doesn't speak to the elite sub three ERAs, the elite one whips, that kind of thing. So I I see Zach Gallon here, hundred seventy five innings, just good production. You're happy with this. Uh, if you get a 3.44 ERA with a 112 whip and a 26% K rate, 
you are thrilled about that as a top 20 pitcher. It is not going to be, to me, a top 10 starter in in 2023 for Zach Allen. So I think this is a very good projection overall. Okay. Um, There's one more person that we should get to before we go into guys that we think maybe... Actually, there's two. There's two guys that we're going to get to, and then we're going to go into guys that uh, some other guys that you wanted to talk about. The first one... Man who is close, near and dear, near and dear to my heart, a person that I have kind of had a little bit of a renaissance with, and that's Grayson Rodriguez. So Grayson Rodriguez comes in. His projection is 118 innings, 376 ERA, 116, uh, 116, 116 whip. Oh, I've um, done that. It's really yeah, fun. That's, that's <laughs> and a 24 percent K rate. Um, I did see that there was. Um, I'm trying to find it real quick. A tweet from Jordan, I believe Jordan Rosenblum, um, that I retweeted a little while ago. That was like some fantastic analysis that he did about Grayson Rodriguez. That he like took the 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 things that he did in the minors and like accurately. Uh, here it is, uh, Jordan. So this is at Rosen Jordan Bloom on Twitter. Uh, you know, tweeted this. He used Grayson Rodriguez minor league stuff plus from two starts, regressed them the proper amount for sample size, translated them to the major leagues, park adjusted them and used them in a projection system. And it spit out a three ERA and a 29% K rate. Unbelievable. What do you think about this projection and Grayson Rodriguez overall? So how we did this actually uh, is a really cool system. We, you know, we were developing these PLV projections and it's based on what do you know, PLV, right? So I, uh, if you don't have PLV metrics uh, to, to establish, how are we going to do this? And what Jesse did is he reached out to Chris Clegg and he said, look, like, can you make me Frankenstein prospects based on your comps? Mm. And, Chris, I got to say, did such an unbelievable job. He's going to put it out, hopefully, as an article in the preseason, outlining the comps for essentially the top 30 prospects or whatever that we expect to play this year. And saying, this is the best situation. This is the worst. This is like a middle for each prospect. So using that, Jesse was unable to create a PLV projection based on it. Now, Unfortunately, we're not using that minor league data of of stuff plus or whatever, but I think it is really important to do to also have this perspective where, you know, there is no such thing as a pitching prospect. And I to be able to say, look, this is generally how we expect them to perform um, out of the gate. You have to be more conservative on prospects. There's a whole thing Derek Hardy has talked about with this before. And I see Grayson Rodriguez like this. This is good. This is not a bad one for a prospect. We all also know that there is a ceiling that we haven't seen and we don't know about yet because we can't mm-hmm. properly project it. It's always kind of baked into our assessment of prospect projections. And that being said, a 116 whip, uh, 24% strikeout rate is pretty nice. Yeah, that's cool. 376. Sure. Not the best, but Cal Bodie would say. The command mm. is uh, not to be trusted in the first year. So, yeah, we're, we're likely baking that into that. So I think this is kind of right. I think this is pretty cool. Perfect. One guy before we get into some of the other dudes. Do you feel the kind of same way about uh, the international prospects? Right. Like Kodai Sanga, 148, oh, yeah, We did the same process. Same exact yeah. process. It's just really tough. Um, we don't have that proper assessment. And it's just I think everyone kind of understands like, all right, well, we don't. No. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we're excited to see what they produce in the spring. Cool. All right. So then there we should get to some of the guys that you 
are not as into, right? These are some of the dudes that you think the projections are what too high on or, well, they are, the, I want to note some of the interesting guys that are mm. the, very low on the projections that I'm like, you want, maybe that is right. Oh, um, interesting. Okay. I think like Cal Quantrill. <laughs> Cal Quantrill. Uh, Cal Quantrill, I think, did better. No, he didn't. 428, no, he didn't. 130. No. <laughs> well, there were times with hours that it was like, oh, wait, Cal Quantrill's still getting away with this. I'm like, okay, eventually, I'm like, no, no, we got, we got this. Um, Taiwan Walker's a 434 year, right? And a 128 mm-hmm. whip and a 20% K rate. Oh, boy. Uh, but yeah, as I hinted at before, Tony Gonsolin, a 420 ERA with a 128 whip and a 21% K rate. And it's rooted in that splitter getting way too much of the plate last year and getting away with it. And the slider wasn't good enough. The fastballs aren't good enough. That is why you see that projection. And that's a very interesting thing in my view. Um, I also do want to note that we are not the fa- the the high people on Tristan McKenzie. Um, 401 ERA and a 120 whip. 25% K rate, but we don't think that Tristan McKenzie was pitching up to snuff last year. And Brady Singer, that's the last one I really want to mention this. I mean, I'm sure there's something you're catching here. Brady Singer is a hot topic. Um, what I've said a lot is 2021 Brady Singer and 2022 Brady Singer, not very different. There is a narrative about mm. the changeup and all, but no. Uh, the changeup did next to nothing, really, outside maybe one start or two starts. And we have Brady Singer projected at a 404 ERA, a 128 whip, 22% K rate, 165 yeah. strikeouts total. Not something you want to chase, uh, in my view, as I don't really think that Brady Singer 2022 was all that different from 2021. And he has to do something different for us to get in on him. So those are some very interesting ones that I see. Yeah, I mean, there are some that are that are kind of interesting like that. I mean, I think it's Martin Perez kind of gets it right with a 174-40 ERA. I mean, a 141 whip, I don't necessarily see happening for him. But I do think it's good to see that, you know, the projection system kind of acknowledges the fact that this is going to uh, be a little bit of a bounce back, uh, not a, a regressive year for him. Tony Gonsolin, I agree with as well. The more I dug into it, the more it was like, man, between the Dodgers shifting more than any team in baseball and him arguably being the biggest beneficiary of said shifts along with just natural regression it uh, and along with the fact that ERA is just not sticky year over year so we can't say oh well he did this last year so therefore it's going to be a, a near three ERA right. again this year um, that that kind of makes sense to me there are dudes that kind of feel uh, you know I, I, I kind of I'm in the opposite direction about like um, sure. there's some you know, I don't want to return you know just back to the just right um thing that we did earlier in the podcast, but I, I'm I'm still picking the kind of under on guys like Merrill Kelly. I mean, I just don't see him having a mid four ERA this year with a one thirty four whip. Yeah. That to me was is, a, is a, Yeah, one thing of ahead. that was the team defense of Arizona, right? Last year. Oh, that regressed. So yeah. And so we don't know how that's going to change necessarily uh this yeah. year. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah, we don't know how that's going to change. I mean, I do think, too, that Miles Michaelis has a kind of fun projection because even though it regresses from the elite ERA that he put up last year, it's still a sub four. Um, and it's, uh, you know, to me, this this is probably like prime Toby tier for you, 183 with a 383 ERA, a 118 whip and a 19% K rate like that. But I also don't know. Like, to me, that further solidifies that that's a guy that you could get 
I think he's overperforms the ERA. I think he has a lower ERA. That's mm-hmm. a nice kind of anchor for you, right? A guy who could theoretically get you 200 innings, which he has done before, or 190 innings with a good ERA, a good whip, and because of the um, innings, compile enough Ks that it doesn't really hurt you. Maybe it's better in a roto for you overall. Sure. I'm, I'm still taking the over on the 19% K rate. Granted, it's not going to be 23, 24. But. What's so interesting, I mean, sure, the inning difference is there. Uh, 183 for Michaelis and 118 for the next person. But the rates on the same team Steven Matz, 3.8 ERA, 1.19 whip, 23% K rate. Kind mm. of interesting. Not a good start out of the gate um, for Matz, as I believe St. Louis should face uh, Atlanta in uh, in that second series. That would be Steven Matz. And by the way, Michaelis would get the Jays and then Atlanta, I think. Yeah. Oh, boy, that's not fun. Um, but I, but Steven Matz is someone, especially for 15-teamers, um, kind of interesting. And getting overlooked, I think, a bit. We really liked his his PLV last year, the pitches that he threw. So, someone to consider. But right next to it is Alec Manoa. A yeah. 379, 117, 23% K rate. Well, PLV uh, really does not like him. No, super fortunate in hit luck. The sinker did not grade well to us. I mean, he's acknowledged that the sinker wasn't good. Um, and he went through a tough period with it. Yeah, Alec Manoa might be, I mean, the whole Gosman-Manoa thing, I've been going so back and forth figuring out which one I like more than the other. And I feel like I have to put Gosman above Manoa at this point. It's so tough. It is tough. The last person, I guess, that uh, I did find one, someone that we talked about in the break, that I'm like, yeah, this projection is the most accurate to me, is Jesus Cesardo. I, I, it's 145 innings of 395 ERA. Yeah, sure. I'll take the under on that a little bit, but a 126 whip and a 25% K rate. I just don't know. I think he's getting a little too hyped for me, not only just because of the injury, but because of PLV's projections not liking him and the theoretical risk for additional injury. Um, the, the K rate, excuse me, the walk rate being near 9%. Like, I don't know. I, this is kind of where I would sort of buy him at. I probably won't able to roster, be able to roster his Luzardo anywhere. I have a good question go for you. Higher than this. Because like I have Luzardo in the middle of the 40s saying, okay. look, once all of the guys that I feel comfortable not dropping the entire year, mm-hmm. I'm willing to then take more chances with it, health um, because the quality is good. It's just about the health at that point. It's like Chris Sale's in there, right? Yeah. And right after that for me is Drew Rasmussen. Hmm. Do you want Rasmussen or do you want Luzardo? Um, let me see if I have done my... Right. Yeah, we're going to talk about Fast's uh, ranks, I believe, in two weeks, which I'm very looking forward to. Yeah, I think I would probably prefer Rasmussen overall. Yeah, I I think I would. To be honest, I'm even making the consideration of whether I would prefer Flaherty overall between him and Luzardo. Um, Yeah, Flaherty Flaherty seems like much more of a, I mean, on the weights of injury risk this year. Luzardo and Flair, not to mention Luzardo, like even when he pitched last year, it was about 100 innings, were really good. Yeah, they were. Yeah. The the projections between Luzardo and Flaherty are really not that different. By the way. Yeah, is that right? That's yeah. Flair, uh, Flaherty has a better ERA. He's got a better whip. He has uh, uh, about the same K rate in like 10 fewer yeah. innings. Yeah, like yeah. to me, I, I, I don't <laughs> know. I, I just, I don't know. But to, to return to your original question, yeah, I think it would be Rasmussen. I think let's, let's break it down, right? Rasmussen most likely 
going to have more innings than than Jesus Cesardo. No question Jesus Cesardo gets Ks, right? Whip, I think, can go to Rasmussen because the walk rate is going to be better. ERA, I think, is going to go to Rasmussen because I just believe in the tool set a little bit more. So, yeah, I think I would take Rasmussen over uh, over Lazardo. The um, the last one I think I want to talk about here, uh, if you just are just looking at this by projection, right? The most interesting one to me in comparison that we had at the very beginning of this was there's Dylan Cesar, 320, 90 ERA, 115 whip, 215 strikeouts. Mm-hmm. And at number five is Robbie Ray. With a 115 whip at 208 strikeouts, but a 30 point drop in ERA. And their difference in drafts, I don't know how far it is actually. I think it's somewhat sizable. Uh, but if you pair Robbie Ray with someone who's a little bit more on the ERA side, then you might be really happy instead mm-hmm. of chasing Dylan Cease. It's just something for me to think about. Like, right, Robbie Ray and Dylan Cease, I wonder how different they are. It might be my bold prediction being like, Robbie Ray is definitively better uh, in in fantasy leagues this year than Dylan Cease. Um, yeah, I do think it's funny I mean, that Robbie Ray's idea. Robbie Ray after Josiah Gray is projected to have the second most home runs allowed. What did you uh, just call Gray? What was his first Hosiah name? Gray. Hosiah. Why? Do you remember our old joke? Yeah, Friendly but to Hosiah. Like an old, no, 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 you said it like an old name, old man, but not like Hosiah. You yeah. just you're saying Josiah. <laughs> I know. That's so funny to me. Um, I, Ray is projected to give up the second most home runs overall, which I kind of thought yeah. was interesting. I still don't know how high I am on Robbie Ray. A lot of the, the stuff that I was digging into kind of had me scared about him. And we'll break him down further in my top I mean, 100. I think I am too. But it's interesting to see this in the in the projection system. It is. I will say, again, Q, Q, Q meme, Q Bart Simpson meme. Robbie Ray is like, I'm adding a splitter. I need it. I'm adding it. Um, so I'm not going to let that really because yeah, he, he's, he wants to, he's adding the splitter. Um, oh that's, everyone, that's everyone in the Mariners, what is this? I mean, yeah, they, they seem to be a very tight knit group to me. It's like sweepers and splitters seem to be the name of the game for them. Um, but like that, like Robbie Ray adding another podcast, whiff man. pitch, <laughs> Robbie way, Robbie Ray adding another whiff pitch is not. Like we need velocity and a four seamer. Like well, that's what we need right. from for Robbie Ray. So I don't know if I'm going to buy it too much. Um, it, this is going to do it for the projection podcast. But you guys should really be getting PL Pro. There is a there's a huge suite of information available to you. We are very passionate about it. And we're excited to share it with you. We've gone over a good amount of the projections, but these are there for you with PL Pro. I mean, there is a... I'm just looking at these and it's not like we're just giving you innings pitched and ERA and whip and K rate. We have like all the other things that I love to use for my Rotolab projections quality like starts. quality starts, mm-hmm. games, walks, uh, hits allowed, home runs, how many hit by pitches, how many total batters. Oh, yeah, we faced. of course didn't mention that we have hitter projections. Duh. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> so that's a, that's a thing too. Um, obviously, we are not going to go into here. I imagine listen to Scott Chu. Um, and uh, Joe Galina with the Hacks and Jacks podcast, um, of course, wins about fantasy as well, and uh, many others across the uh, the Pitchless podcast network that will cover hitters. And in the pen, I'm sure he's going to look at the pitcher ones for relievers with holds and saves. Uh, so it's a whole suite, and uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing you guys uh, react to them and see what you think. Yeah, it's a lot of exciting stuff. All right, uh, that is going to do it, though, for episode number 378 of On the Court of the Official Pitchless.com podcast. I'm your host, Alex Fast. And I'm Nick Pollock, and we'll talk to you guys next week.